Let's get off the rails. Hey, welcome to Americana Station. This is Stephen Dunn of the Picking and Percolating Podcast, and I'm taking over to interview Will this week about his upcoming album and about people pooping their pants. So buckle up. Let's get into this. Hey everyone, it's Off the Rails with Americana Station. Um, this is the first episode and I'm really excited uh, because Jacqueline releases today. You can go to Spotify, Amazon, Apple Music, Tidal I guess if you do Tidal. Um, I'm going to be honest, I've never even looked at Tidal, but it's, it's available on there. And uh, you can listen to that song, you can... Make sure you follow me on your favorite streaming platform, and um, if you want to buy a hard copy of it, it will be available on Bandcamp and WillPayneHarrison.com, one of the best websites in the world. So uh, make sure you check out all that stuff, uh, like and review the podcast, that helps out tremendously. Uh, we really appreciate all of your support here. Um, we've seen some growth over the year, and it's been really awesome. And uh, everyone that you tell about this podcast, that really helps me out with uh, getting sponsors in the future. Because I'm doing this for free right now, baby. And uh, I could use a little bit of pocket change after releasing this album. So uh, today I have Mr. Stephen Dunn on the podcast. Um, he is He has been on the podcast uh, after releasing his four-part series, God, Love, and Death. Um, he actually just got done in the studio he's listening to mixes he was showing them to me uh before this uh this podcasting and uh they sound great so far but uh today he's just kind of tour manager and podcast buddy because uh, we got off the rails a little bit that was that little sound bit at, at the beginning is him, <laughs> him attempting to be a revving uh motorcycle which is great um yeah, so let's get into it. I'm going to put a little bit, if if you were an Indiegogo uh, contributor on my campaign before the album came out, then you got the full version of the flipped interview with me and Steven, where he was being the host and I was being the guest on Americana Station, but um, only people who donated to the campaign will hear that full unedited version. So you're going to get like a little clip just to be like, hey man, should have donated to the campaign. Sorry, buddy. Um, and uh, yeah, so we're going to do a little bit of that, a little bit of him asking me a couple of questions about the album, and then we're going to get into his like tour managing and just a bunch of different stuff. I hope you enjoy it. Make sure you follow his podcast, Picking and Percolating. Here we go. That's one thing to like steep yourself in an instrumental tradition if that's the type of Irish music you're doing. It's another thing to play a bunch of Irish music that's like singing about irish life that you've never lived and it's like cool man and it's it's so true even like with cajun music like anytime anyone 
plays Cajun music and they don't have roots in it, you instantly know, man. Like it, it just <laughs> it, like three notes, and you're like, "What are you? What are you doing? Like this isn't, you know, it, it just doesn't sound the same, you know." Yeah, I don't, I don't know how to explain it other than you're just like, "You're not a real, <laughs> you're not from Louisiana." I mean, that's part of why you brought up uh, the Rayo Brothers to play on yeah. your record. I remember you Perfect talking about segment. that. You were like, <laughs> "Why? Thank you, Will." Uh, you were like, yeah, they already know the feel that I want. I don't have to try to explain it to guys up here yeah. and give them a bunch of references. They get it. They get, especially the rhythm section, uh, yes. you know, with Jordan on bass and, um, Lance. Y- yeah, you were, drums. you were, uh, I remember you specifically, I was like, why don't you just like, there's so many good musicians in Nashville. Like we're not hurting for musicians. No yeah. offense, Rail brothers, but we're not like, not that yeah. they're like, uh, same with, uh, you know, we just aren't. There's so many great musicians here who could have done a great job on your record, but you're like, they know the vibe I want. They already play it. And so I'm going to, I'm going to put this in there. What specifically about, I I guess them growing up playing Cajun music. Did you want on this album? I think it was just, um, it was more about like, yes, all their family is like steeped in Cajun tradition, but they also grew up on the folk, uh, and bluegrass and, um, country side of things too and so they they all play all of the same genres that I play they all listen to the same artists that I listen to and we shared all the same stages for you know five or six years before I moved up here and so we being from that same community and knowing what Louisiana blues sounds like versus like you know Chicago blues or whatever um, or Memphis blues uh, or even like Nashville blues, it, it, you just, and even the, the Louisiana country is just a little bit different. And, um, they, they knew that they, I just played my song and they heard the, the rhythms, this, the differences and, and locked in on it. Like we, we had, uh, I think three days scheduled for the, uh, all the band to be in there and they finished in a day and a half. Yeah. So much so quick that Jim had time to go in there and just like destroy even more like awesome electric guitar parts. Um, so it was, it was great. And I mean, it really was just that like they've, I've hired them so many times down in Louisiana uh, when I was doing runs and they just, they get what I'm doing. I mean, me and Dan, uh, the singer from the Rayo brothers, uh, we were very uh, of the same mind. And uh, we write similarly. I mean, we we even have we both have a song called Red River Blues uh, <laughs> with no like no knowledge of either of us writing a song called Red River Blues. Yeah. So, yeah, you also have some Bonnie and Clyde over, over, overlap. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, that's the thing is like we both started in that like kind of um, 2010s like folk revival again. Yeah. The, the next folk revival, we kind of started in that same thing. We wrote all the same cliches and then got better at it and really, you know, dove into like the blues and fo- and bluegrass and all those other elements too. So, yeah, I mean, they've been playing with me for years and, and different, uh, different arrangements. So nice. Yeah. So the familiarity is already there. You've got that kind of community built up with that makes it easier to go in and uh and cut a record this is your was this your first time cutting live um yes 
Uh, for for me, yes. This yeah. is the first time cutting live. Do the, do those guys have experience doing live records? That's what they did on their record too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, on victim and villain. Victim and villain. Yeah. Yeah, that album is really great as well. It, yeah, and yeah. they're just so they're so tight and they're so talented and they're such a great solid band that um like we literally would uh, do a key change um in between takes and they're like okay one two three go and they had it you know <laughs> it just yeah. doesn't make sense to me so i mean i guess for bass but you know for everyone else yeah no i think it uh i think anytime you get a good group together um that that knows a song that are good musicians if you go past three takes it's gonna be pretty bad yeah at least that's been my experience. And, um, you know, you, you want to do at least two or three takes just to make sure you have it. Um, cause if you do one take, even if you think it's like perfect, you may have executed it perfectly, but when you go back and listen to it, there may be like one thing where like the audio glitched yeah. in it. And you're like, well, I can't use that take cause like the computer messed up. Or if you run into tape, like there was some like thing that messed up. So you always want to do a couple takes. Um, but I know even for like, some of my past records where we cut live, we did three takes just for like safety. And we, we took the first one. Cause yeah. like the first one was the one had the more electric feel. Yeah, yeah. But when you get in there and you're doing four five, six, seven, you know, you start doing more and more, like you just, you get so tired and bogged down. You don't yeah. have that creativity. So I think it's great that, um, that you line that up with those guys and, and got to where you could knock out a couple takes and it's like, that's it. We've got it. Yeah. Um, which helps you keep going in the studio. I know I popped in there for one of the days and you guys were like, you were rolling. Like, well, you weren't really wasting too much time. Right. Yeah. Other than our steak and shake run. Oh yeah. Uh, except wait, where'd the other guys end up going? They didn't like it. Like, uh, me and Brett like went to steak place and shake. Or something? Was it Chinese? Yeah. I think so. I Weird. don't remember. Chinese in like Franklin, Tennessee. Yeah. I can't <laughs> imagine that's, that's the best. I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, does uh so Jacqueline's gonna be the first track on the record? Yeah, it's coming out uh July twelfth. So Oh that's soon. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. I didn't realize it it was coming out. Oh, just the single. Just the single, yeah. Okay. I was like the, the, rec- the record's September not coming 6th. out this soon. No, no. I no. forgot. You did and you did the music video for that. But uh yeah. does the woman that inspired the song know about the song? Um there is no woman. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> come on <laughs> is that is that your official podcast response <laughs> <laughs> that jacqueline's in the music video so check it out is she really mm-hmm. you got her up here from uh from louisiana yeah her name is laura may socks yeah uh-huh are you are you like bsing me right now or is this like legit no laura, laura may socks is jacqueline in the music video oh she plays jacqueline yeah. in the music video yeah so you are bsing me a little bit right now uh <laughs> So you've got on on the record, like you you've got all sorts of stuff. You know how to make a grown man cry. You got yeah. funeral home, which I know you wrote when you were living in Germantown here in Nashville. Yeah, and then you you've got kind of all these different uh, feelings throughout the songs, Jacqueline, where you're, um, you know, falling in love. Ja- whatever. Get it right. Whatever. <laughs> Get out of here, bro. Uh, you know, you've got all these different different songs about feeling all, all sorts of different things, uh, being really sad. You know yeah. how to make Grimmick right. And then you have Bound for Glory, which is kind of the the soul-like spiritual song on yeah. the album. Was that a song that you wrote uh, kind of just in the tradition of Americana that is kind of steeped in spiritual music? Or is it one where you 
Um, I know you were raised Catholic and kind of stepped away from that yeah. at, at some point. Is that uh, a song where, where you're, yeah, I guess more trying to just follow the tradition of Americana music and, and write some spiritual music or what, what meaning does that song have for you? Um, there was, uh, a couple of years ago, oh, at Americana Fest, me and Clint Alfin were hanging out and we were talking about how much we love gospel music, traditional gospel music, not, you know, Christian music or anything like that. Um, but just how it's, it's such a beautiful language and the lyrics are so awesome. And, uh, we started playing some gospel music together every now and then we still, we do some gigs here and there when we can. But um, when you're saying gospel, are you meaning like hymnal, bluegrassy gospel? Or are you yeah. meaning okay, yeah, because yeah. because they can have like the other side of uh, like black yeah not Amer- like, American church uh, gospel music, right? Which is vastly different. <laughs> yeah, if you've heard my voice, you know that I'm not doing. <laughs> uh, I'm hey not man, doing, uh, I want uh, black gospel music, but or excuse me, <laughs> beer got, got the to beer me. burps. Yeah, <laughs> or, uh, or or the. Uh, southern gospel like you know really white uh you know what i'm talking about like uh gaithers oh i mean the, i feel like gaithers uh the gaithers lean more towards like the the like appalachian bluegrass gospel yeah i know what you, i know what you mean by like you're not you're not trying to do that but yeah. they, they lean that way <laughs> they they do sometimes yeah um sorry i sidetracked you big time there oh about the gospel yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I do have, you know, um, a history, you know, a, a background in, in Christian Christianity and, um, I, I do believe those things. So it's, it's not, um, something that's not true to me at all. It was a, a very sincere song. Um, but I, it, I've always had a fear since I'd become a songwriter of being, pigeonholed as Christian, um, as I'm sure you probably have too at some point. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm not here to write uh, Christian music or, or to be a gospel singer, but it is a part of my, uh, it's, it's a part of me and it's a part of what I want to write. So there will be occasionally gospel songs on the records. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what you should do. You should be writing about uh, you know, per, like we were talking about, write about personal experience, write about what you feel, write yeah. about what you want. Um, you know, like kind of going on what you were talking about, not wanting to be pigeonholed as like a Christian artist. It's interesting to me, like if you bring up Johnny Cash, no one will ever say Johnny Cash was a Christian singer or Elvis or Elvis yeah. or like any of these guys that did so many records yeah. uh, that w- that were just the whole thing was was gospel yeah we're yeah. Mu- music for corporate worship even yeah um like what i guess for lack of a a better phrase um i guess i don't know anyways but yeah like you you have all these laundry lists of artists that uh would never get labeled that way um yet now we do and it it seems to me it has to do with with money more than anything which is really unfortunate given uh that it shouldn't be I don't think it's much different in the Christian industry. I think it's all about the money too in that. Sure. So yeah, it is. I, I, and that's the thing is I don't like the, um, profiting off of the gospel, uh, thing, um, which is why I, I, I don't, 
I don't know. I I skirt around it too. It's it's just it's such a a personal thing for me, and I don't want to. Uh, I don't know. I just don't want to market myself in that vein because I think that's too sacred of a thing for. Uh, and I wouldn't want to exploit it. Not that I'm saying other people do, but sure. Well, I I will say it. Other people do. <laughs> other people, hundred percent do. Yeah. I mean, you you can't look at our our current climate and not see where people have done it. But, um, that I won't say that everyone does, which right, I think not is, everyone does. is what you were meaning, yeah. but a hundred percent people exploit anything and everything. Cause there are terrible people in anything and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's great that you are, um, just kind of writing what you feel while also saying you're like, I'm not trying to exploit that that part of me like is it a personal thing that you believe yeah but it's you're like springsteen's devil and devils and dust or like um chris christopherson's why me lord you know it's such those are such powerful songs about faith but you never think of them as like oh they're christian artists you know sure i know you had tons of people in on the record um you just you just kept bringing in more people to play horns and to play <laughs> i love horns uh you know, pedal steel to play harmonica, uh, to play the freaking theremin. Yeah. <laughs> because of course you had people playing the theremin. Yeah, man. Uh, you gotta have theremin. It's not a real record. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'll just cancel my new record. Yeah, there's no theremin on it. <laughs> or just, just hire a theremin player. That's all you got to do. Fix no, that. I mean, it's, it's done. I've tracked everything. It's at <laughs> mixing where well, there's no turning back at this point, right? but there's no theremin. Um, but I was curious, what was your, when when you think back to tracking the record, what was like the moment that you were just like ha- the most joyous while tracking or the most like excited for like recording a part? Um, I think it was uh, probably I'm Overthinking About You because um, that was one of the few songs that I wrote specifically for a full band and I just couldn't see it. Like it's really hard for me to play that one out. Uh, without a backing band and so hearing just like it the way I wanted it to sound with the band in there that was such a great like it's like ah you know because some a lot of the songs you know you can I can I can get away with less instrumentation but that one's just one where it's the whole thing was meant to be a, a full band song and so that was definitely like a joyous moment to hear the whole band yeah these riffs that's awesome yeah i know exactly what you mean there's some songs where like like i have a song where the guitar part is the same riff the whole time yeah and the song the recorded version or the live band version is generally one of people's favorite songs is that but the I, one in the open mi- d minor yeah, yeah yeah don't let the grave yeah um people love that song but and it hits so well when you have the fiddle and the other guitars and everything yeah. else playing it. But if I try to play that solo, it's so boring because yeah. it's just one riff the whole time. Uh, but with everything else modifying that riff and changing it and, and moving with it, it's uh, so I, I understand what you mean when you when you kind of like have a vision for something and you're like, but I can't really do it without other people. Right. Uh, it's so much fun. It's like you can get kind of the the idea behind it, but you don't fully grasp it. And I think that uh, I have to say Anne-Marie too, that like I, I don't think that I fully saw the vision that um, Brett Stewart saw yeah. until it happened. And I was like, holy crap. And I, I love 
the finished product of that for sure. That's great. I was in the studio a little bit, um, so I got to get to know Brett like a, a bit. Yeah. Um, but what what was it like working with him? Um, yeah. He's uh, he's he's really good at um, hearing the song and knowing what needs to be there. Um, and I think that I'm pretty good at at mapping out and, and having a vision for most songs. And he doesn't keep you from doing that at all. He'll just throw his stuff out or like. Uh, give suggestions but um uh bound for glory was gonna be more of a traditional gospel song with not that much in instrumentation and uh then he kind of put those like drums on it with like the you know open tom kind of feel to it and yeah driving stuff and the harmonica and all that uh kind of chugging along stuff that he heard to make it like bigger and fuller and um it really took off because I was I was imagining it being kind of like a, a somber acoustic track, honestly. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's I mean, when I was in there, he seemed to have a, a decent amount of hand into things. But sounds like even that song is just completely different because of working with Brett. That one's definitely the most different. Yeah. Than what I had originally envisioned um, for it. But Anne Marie, I didn't think of like the band explosion that he did and the, the 14 uh, fiddle part uh, violin parts to make like this big orchestra and like all these things that he did. Yeah. The big, like we did a, a, a you know, the groups screaming Anne Marie behind me and all that stuff. It's really yeah. Cool. It's huge on the end. The yeah. back end of that was way bigger than I thought it was going to be listening to it. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, well I see you. Yeah. All right. Who, uh, who played violin on the record? Uh, that's Meredith, uh, her name is Krigowski. Um, <laughs> she is in Adrian, Adrian and Meredith. And, Meredith. and yeah. she's actually the girl that was there that told me I should write the song Jacqueline. We were like, this nice. girl is so awesome. We should write a song about her. We were both drunk. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so she's a good friend of mine. And uh, she came in and, and laid down that. I met Adrian and Meredith when they toured through Bloomington, Indiana, when I was in high school. And we played a show at the Poor House Cafe coffee shop together. And he was called Hardcore Adrian. Adrian, Adrian Hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> Spelled with a K. Yeah, so of course. K-O-R. Hard K-O-R. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, playing like the same stuff. Yeah. Uh, wasn't any... I mean, I'm sure he would take offense to me saying it wasn't any different. I just mean like he hasn't drastically changed styles. Yeah. Um, and I, it, it was so surreal to like be in Nashville and then be like, huh think i know that person yeah and then like you're like oh yeah they're some of my friends blah, blah, blah. and now it's like oh like something that i wrote off as like a thing that i would never see them again became people that now like are good friends with my friends and tour and everyone knows them yeah <laughs> yeah it's wild around. it's wild but she did a great job it's yeah it's killer i am also curious so I talked to a lot of different artists and some people love the studio. Some hate the studio. Yeah. I know people that makes them anxious and they'd rather just tour and play live shows. Other people like being in the studio is like their favorite thing in the world to get to create. But I think regardless of how you feel about the studio, there's always those moments that are just hilarious that you can't recreate outside that environment. Yeah. Do you have, one of those moments from the studio that you can remember where you guys just laughed really hard. It can be even something that's stupid that like 
wasn't funny, but for whatever reason, the right amount of like tired and sleep deprivation and like we've been playing for five hours hit and you're just like, this is hilarious. I don't know. I can't think of anything that was like that funny. Uh, we were pretty in the zone on everything. Um, we definitely were cracking a lot of jokes, stupid jokes. Um, your dad, dad joke level is pretty high. So. It is pretty high, yeah. <laughs> so. But so is Brett's, and so we we definitely had a lot of back and forth uh, with that. Um, okay, I'll put this to you then. You've toured with the Rayro Brothers quite a bit this last year. Oh, yeah. What moment on tour just like made you laugh hard? Because there's got to be one. You don't go on tour that long and not have a moment that's just not funny. Oh, it's the whole time. It, Dan is the funniest guy, but he's so like dry and quiet that yeah. you have to like really listen to hear the funny stuff that he says. Um, but I know that like just the whole night in, in Indianapolis <laughs> at Healer, <laughs> which you were there too. That, that was a fun, weird, everything was weird. It was snowing and it was March or April. It was March. March. And uh, just the whole environment <laughs> felt like a hippie fever dream. I mean, I think that's the vibe they're going for, so they would take that as a compliment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then some of the things that like really made me laugh, I just can't say on the podcast, you know, because that wouldn't be very good, you know. What? What? You, you mean the drugs? Is that what you're talking about? All the drugs that <laughs> that, that you did? No, we didn't. <laughs> oh, oh my God! How did I forget about this? In I don't know if I could say this. Yeah, I can't say that. God, I can't say any of the fun stuff. Okay, I won't say who it was. I just love how you didn't deny doing drugs, and you just went, oh, my God. I, oh, I can't tell that story either, right after I accused you of I doing a do bunch drugs. of drugs. No, I didn't do drugs. Um, uh, sorry. Go go with your what, – what story were you going to tell? Go so for it. one of the members of the band or people on the tour or someone we knew somewhere in some city um, – it was, it was Cincinnati, but um, – <laughs> I like how coded you're trying to be like, who are you (laughs) protecting here? What is this? Well, I'm just protecting if this person hears this podcast that they don't get mad at me. So I'm not going to say a person, but um, one one of these people uh, on the tour was having trouble using the restroom. (laughs) So he got a, or she got a, uh, a lax, a suppository laxative. (laughs) Because in case you didn't know, there could potentially be a female in the Rayo brothers <laughs> or, <you laughs> or know, she, I like how you're trying to code this yeah. even more. Continue. <laughs> we, Laxative. Uh, yeah. So he, or she d- did a, uh, suppository laxative and then <laughs> proceeded to crap their pants while we were playing <laughs> and had to, had to, uh, take their, uh, underwear off in the bathroom. <laughs> that was i i died that was probably the funniest thing on the whole tour but we won't say who it was i i i know it was and my favorite part about all of this is that megan's over here on the couch and she was like half asleep and had to sit up and was dying laughing while you're telling that yeah because people crapping their pants as long as it's not you is really funny yeah um so with this album, what with all that said, what do you think is the the biggest difference that you see from uh, East Nashville Blues to now? Like, how do you feel in which you have grown and are making this album better? Um, I think 
first and foremost is just the choice in musicians uh, helped a lot because I had a um, a band that was a unit that worked together. Yeah, and that's huge. Played live in the studio, and last record I had excellent, excellent, amazing musicians who all tracked separately and didn't play together. Um, and it just, it's not that I don't want to say it's just different. It's a different, yeah, it's, it's a m- different vibe. Yeah. Um, but everything on that record is great. It's very like they're excellent players and it sounds good. It just doesn't have that. Um, I feel like it's, it's like a, you know, the, the term barn burner or whatever. It's like got that kind of, some of those songs have that barn burner feeling of just like extra and Jim McGee, my God, he just, he rips ripped. He's a great guitar player. And having Fats Kaplan on there, you know, uh, playing pedal steel and fiddle, like one of the best fiddle players I've ever played with in any aspect. Yeah. Anything. No offense to other (laughs) fiddle players that I've played with, but he's amazing. And, um, I think for me, uh, I just really, um, have been working on, uh, lyrics and, and writing better songs. And then I think just from like being on the road so much that I've, uh, also improved my voice a lot since the last record as well. Nice. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I know what you mean with, I love recording live as well. I know what you mean. There's just a different vibe. You can get a great record, um, cutting everything separately and you can a lot of times get a better record cutting everything separately too, but there's some kind of feeling with, yeah. uh, with everybody, you know, in the same room or even like everybody in ISO rooms and you can see each other communication and you, and you just yeah. feel it. Yeah. And, and there's a community with it. Yeah. There, there is an energy and a community feel with it when you're doing that together yeah. versus everybody separately. Um, you know, and I and there's something about that. I was talking with uh, Chris Kessenick the other day about this, um, actually on the podcast about like there's there's a reason why we still pay for live music, yeah. Uh, especially like there there are people who put on killer shows, but like you and I don't really put on shows. And I don't mean that in any disrespect, but like we we don't have pyrotechnics. We're not like we don't have crazy stage antics yet, right? Uh, okay. I probably, I don't know that I ever will. Um, you know, I'm not like gyrating around the stage or doing anything crazy. I do get a little emotional with how I sing and and perform, but for the most part, like what I'm doing isn't, isn't a crazy performance, but But it could be captivating. Like uh, that time we played at Gasa Gasa and you just unplugged and came in the middle of the room and I did do that. Yeah. The whole room just was shushed you know just like in on it just like right there and they like surrounded you almost and that I, f- I forgot about that yeah i i don't even like oh it's because w- that tour we were doing the dual three-piece thing and so i was playing a number of songs so oh, yeah um yeah that was that was a that was a fun tour we're, we uh we did a tour with a drummer i was with zach bodman right uh-huh and uh, I played bass for Will, and Will played bass for me, and we shared a drummer. But yeah. so as a result, I played a number of songs solo on that tour just so, like, to give it a different feel. And there was just something about that show that I was like, this feels so stupid and separate. I think I was going for that, like, community feeling with yeah. that, maybe without knowing it, that I was just like, like, me being on a stage playing solo to that crowd after having played full band songs felt weird and i wanted that connection yeah and there's just um, a way of like conveying without pyrotechnics there's a way of conveying 
two people like, Hey, like there's a commonality here, you know? Sure. Yeah. What I guess what I was getting at is like, we, we still recognize something when there's a human being in the room Yeah. that's different and that we want, we want that, that feeling. There's something there. There's some kind of energy or force or whatever you want to call it. I don't know what it is, but like there are a number of bands I've seen that don't put on a show and they, it, it would be almost the same to just like play their record. They're not doing much very different, but I still love seeing them. There's something about seeing them. That's like when you get to like visually, like you're watching them play the guitar, even if they're not like rolling around the stage and like putting it behind their head, they're just playing guitar that, that is there. And I think that's what happens when you cut a live album. There's something about you're all in the room. You're all looking at each other. You're feeling it back and forth uh the music that gives it that vibe yeah and i think that's the whole point is that you're you're cutting a point in time you know you're you're living with ghosts <laughs> hey um, he got the title in yeah there it is yeah. uh well, let's what? get off the rails <laughs> <laughs> are you gonna actually have like a like I, some I a- some sound bite like ch- Jock, what is it? Shock Jock Radio? Is that oh, what it's yeah, called? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like a. <laughs> Let's get off the rail. <laughs> like the car that's revving liter- motor type thing. That's literally it now. <laughs> oh, you're just going to use me every time? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to need. I'm going to need payment for that licensing. You already signed off earlier. Um, I just. <laughs> like hell, I did. So, um, you, uh, just. No. Have you officially gotten the job yet or are we still uh i talk with them on monday i won't you will. Okay. if you want to talk about tour managing we can do that but i won't drop who they are okay. who i'm working yeah. with but have you done tour managing before i've done some stuff for some indie bands um but m- the majority of my tour managing experience is gonna come from uh going out on like dual tours with uh friends yeah and uh so uh, i think what a lot of people don't a lot of independent musicians don't realize is they're tour managing all the time like oh yeah you're advancing shows you deal with the money like you're doing everything yeah um and so like it's this idea that people think like it's some foreign thing that they can't do and it's like look like advancing shows is pretty simple like you're just making sure everything is lined up for the show right so you're sending emails and making phone calls that the artist doesn't have to do at that point yeah. um without but you also don't have to perform so you don't have the headache i think that that's the great thing about tour managers is that you're taking that load off of yeah. the artists. So all they are doing is focusing on the performing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's something I wish I could have yeah. while touring. I know you do as well. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a lot of work. Um, also, a lot of times your tour manager drives um, when you're when you're on before you're at like bus level. Right. You know, when you're when you're doing like passenger van and, and van wagon tours and stuff like that. Generally, you you would get a tour manager that's comfortable driving. Yeah, and they push your drunk ass into the van. <laughs> if it's uh, if it's that kind of tour, yeah. I really hope this one's not that kind of tour. Yeah, because um, it's it's uh, it's it's going to be a small crew. So, um, yeah, if I'm the one that has to uh, that has to do that every night, that'll be that'll be. I'll probably have stories to tell. You have some, yeah. <laughs> Somebody crapping their pants and such. <laughs> Oh, if that happens, I'm not touching it with a ten foot pole on this tour. I'm gonna be like, I, I, uh, that goes above and beyond my, my, call my of duty. yeah. <laughs> Whoo, goodness. Oh man. <laughs> um. So, 
what uh, what have you been listening to lately? What's have you heard any new records that are good? Any new records that are good? Uh, Noah Gunderson just dropped a new track. Yeah, he's got an album coming out called I think Lovers. Uh, the first track's called Robin Williams on it, um, and he has a line in the song that says, "When I think of Robin Williams at the end of his rope, uh, that's just like haunting." Um, that. I honestly don't know if I like the song a ton or not yet. Um, but I mean, it definitely made me think and feel things. So it's doing, yeah. it's doing what it should, whether or not I come out the other side and I'm like, I love this song or I hate this song. Like it's, it's affecting me, which I think is what good art does as, as you kind of referenced earlier. So, um, uh, it, I've been listening to my new album a lot, which sounds conceited, but I'm in the mixing stages. Yeah. So you just have to, um, what's the name of it the name of the album is going to be thoughts and prayers um so the the album as a whole for me is um this um kind of my relationship with the western church and yeah. uh i was having a hard time coming up with something that didn't sound a little holier than thou or pretentious um titling and then i came up then i was like thoughts and prayers is kind of uh like it's it's definitely tongue-in-cheek um but I thought that w- was good enough because, because if I'm being honest, like that's what the songs are, yeah. you know, they're, they're definitely prayerful from my perspective. I'm sure other people will disagree with me and maybe call me heretical, but, um, have you heard, uh, enough. Will Hoag's song thoughts and prayers? Does he? Uh, no, I yeah. haven't. I'll have to look that up. Yeah. There's um, a song about it. Okay. It's pretty good. Right on. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I address anything specifically in any of the songs. He's like, very specific. <laughs> um, no, no, no. I'm, I mean, I'm. I'm. I am specific yeah. in the song. I've seen. Was meaning like oh. about like thoughts and prayers, like yeah. that. That kind of thing. Um, but the songs are are quite specific in what I think. Uh, but yeah, I'm trying to think of other new music I've listened to. What have I been listening to? Have you heard Lucas Nelson's new? I did listen to some of that. Yeah, yeah I'm. A, I love Lucas Nelson. I. Uh, we're talking about tour managers. His tour manager tried to get us to smoke some Willie's Reserve with him backstage uh, when they were through Nashville last summer, which was fun. We were working a there's a beer festival in Nashville, and I was working. Were they successful? Uh, no, because I, <laughs> I I was working for a nonprofit. Um, Good answer. At a beer festival yeah. and like running merch and stuff. I was there with my buddy who has like a. I was there because he he kind of got me the gig because he has this brand called peace love beer and anyways so we were both there but we were doing stuff for the nonprofit that was involved with this music festival in downtown nashville and if it were for anything else i might have uh taken up on it because how often do you get to go hang out with lucas nelson right backstage but he he like was offering uh, which he he offered it he's like y'all and he was totally high the tour manager was high the whole time he was like y'all need y'all want anything he was like trying to offer us stuff and we had like we were we were working for the nonprofit, but we also had like this thing of beer for free. So we were drinking while working. So it was a super chill gig, and we had this big thing of beer and water, and we had already had food, and we we're like, actually, we're really good. And he's like, how about some weed, man? <laughs> and we're like, uh, I don't think that's. And he's like, what if it's Willie's Reserve? Y'all wanna? <laughs> and was just trying to like entice us. Um, he's a pusher. <laughs> yeah, he was just tied. He was having the time of his life. Yeah. He was like, what about it, man? Like, you know, when people are just stoned. I honestly, I don't know how he does a good job tour managing, but he did. 
he took care of all the merch, paid the merch guy. Like it was, wow. it, was uh, it was great. Um, let me, I'm going to pull up my music just to see who I've been listening to. Um, uh, yeah. Lucas Nelson, he had this first song called bad, bad case, which is not like what his last record was. So I wasn't sure, but then everything, when everything else dropped, it was, it was really good. Um, I, I, this isn't new, but I've been listening to Shooter Jennings self-titled album. That's a great album, man. Yeah. I, so I guess, yeah, technically new, not a lot of new, new. Oh, Arts Fishing Club just dropped a new single. That's Chris. Uh, yeah. That's Chris's project. Chris Kesnick, yeah. Brian Kimson. Matt Sippert. Uh, I, I think he's not in the band as much anymore. I know okay. he did. I, I know he recorded on the record that they're really yeah. releasing this stuff from, um, I don't know what his involvement is because they have a local bass player again, or if he's just like whenever he can, yeah. he's playing. Uh, but Pete Eddins, Brian Kempson, Jimmy Green, uh, Chris Kesnick, and then bass player TB- it TBD. It's great. Um, Chris was talking about how it's like one of his least favorite songs because he feels like it's too poppy. But I was like, dude, it's, it's a great song because it's like that one that could be a radio hit. It's called Skinny Dippin' and it's just like yeah. such a great summer rock song about something that we've all likely done if you grew up in the midwest or the south yeah around lakes like gotta so. do it man <laughs> <laughs> gotta uh it. that's great um joel levi's been releasing new singles pretty pretty steady great americana artist here in nashville he's played musicians corner as well okay um he's got some good new stuff out i don't remember what his most recent single is he just dropped it this last week but the one before that was light in the neon sign which is great oh i gotta give a shout out to uh caleb elliott he's a friend of mine from back in lafayette and he's on uh john paul white's record label oh yeah um and he released a new record that is so good so good and he just played musician's corner nice um so it anyone is looking for some new music you should definitely look up caleb elliott and then he used to play with um dylan leblanc who is from shreveport and i think he lives part-time in lafayette now uh and he has a new record called renegade out um as well so they're both i'll have to check that out i haven't listened to that stuff but the fact that he's on uh on uh you know john boy's record label yeah dylan they're calling him a a modern day neil young if that gives you all right yeah all right so uh when does jimmy fallon dress up and pretend to be him that's that's the real question yeah, it'll be a while probably on that one <laughs> but yeah caleb's record's great he's been a friend of mine for well over a decade so it's cool to see him doing cool stuff right on that's great are we running out of steam here i mean i've i've had some beer <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know how long you wanted this off the rails to be so i wasn't uh i wasn't leading it anywhere but this I is your thing know. 15 minutes or this so we're right at 15, uh, 12 this, or this is like this is your thing yeah. uh i'm following your lead oh oh that was the last thing i wanted to talk about um you you got you're going to nam at least for a day or so you said you're gonna drop in um yeah yeah fawn larson actually got me um thanks fawn uh she got me uh the artist pass so i'll be able to go the whole weekend i'm excited about that nice yeah yeah, yeah. nam is uh is one of those things that like the first time you go, it's like being a kid in the candy store. Oh, yeah. And then every other time it's just like annoying and loud. I think I may, maybe not like there's always like, I like, I like Nashville's way better than yeah. out in LA. I haven't been to the LA one. 
LA is overwhelming. It's too much. It dwarfs Nashville in size. Um, and like, that's when like everyone's releasing new stuff. Yeah. Uh, so you don't really even get to catch up with anybody where like Nashville, you can like catch up with people you haven't seen in a while, like vendor reps and people you kind of become friends with. Cause you see a few times a year, stuff like that. So you get to grab like a drink with them or grab dinner and like catch up and, yeah. and hang out. So like Nashville is way more chill. Um, just cause it's a lot smaller. A lot of the foreign companies don't come over. A lot of people call it domestic Nam. Uh, <laughs> There still are companies like from overseas that'll be there, but a lot of them choose to go to LA because it's a bigger one and because it's easier to fly into a coastal city than it is. To are Nashville. you uh, are you gonna give me that heritage deal this year? Are you gonna, uh, me hey man, <laughs> uh, it, I can uh, I can connect you to them, but uh, that's that's on you. Also, uh, Ron, um, the guy that I initially signed with, he's uh, he's moved on from Heritage now, oh, so. Man. Uh, he and I stay in touch. It's kind of, it's really weird. Um, because like he was, he was the rep that signed me with heritage and, um, we like became friends and I still have his phone number and we still text and like, it's the only relationship I have. That's like that. Um, the breed, the breed love deal that it got, I, I do text Sean and like I'll hit up Sean when I'm going through Louisiana and hang out as well. Like we did that together yep. actually. He's great. We always uh grab lunch when we go through Louisiana. You and I grab lunch with him together when we were on tour. Yeah. Um and, and he's and Sean is great. Like I'm not but there's something about the relationship that uh I had with Ron that was that's just like different than any like artist rep relationship. It's weird. Like I stayed at his house with uh who was I on tour with when I did this? I don't remember who I was touring with. Anyways, we stayed at his house and they were, he was like hosting a bachelor party for one of his buddies. So he has this house out, uh, just outside Kalamazoo, like a farmhouse. And we totally crashed a bachelor party for like one of his best friends Dang. and they bought us food and drinks and everything and let us stay at, at their house on tour. Um, you know, he, he just kind of became a friend. So it was sad to see him, uh, you know, leave heritage. He was stepping into another job that was a great opportunity for him. So, uh, so that was great. But yeah, if if I mean, I can introduce you to uh to heritage guys if <laughs> if you really want. But um, playing more electric these days, you know. I don't I don't know what connections uh I would have to make any of that happen. Yeah. Or or how that world even works. Uh, I fell backwards into it. So yeah, <laughs> as we all do. Yeah. Why are we doing music? Why are we here? Why are we here? What is what is happening? Yeah. <laughs> I love my bourgeois. Um uh, I I'm looking forward to going to their booth. I don't think I've I I it you know, you go where you can. And I don't think I've really spent much time at the bourgeois uh booth, so I'm going to try to stop by there and meet some of the people that work there this year for sure. I love the fact that it's that it's called bourgeois. And is a really expensive acoustic yeah. guitar company. Like, very fitting. Yeah, very all fitting. right. You, it's actually his it, name, it's, though. It's, it's on the nose. Yeah, yeah I mean, he, I'm sure he has other names. Nobody has just one name. Come I on. I think they say, like, on the website that it's pronounced Burgoyz or something like that. And I'm like, no, it's bourgeois. <laughs> oh, I would love it if it's pronounced Burgoyz. That'd make it so much better. Yeah, it's something like that. It's, it's, Go look at their website. If, if you had, like, come on, like. 
bourgeois just sounds pretentious because of like the whole French Revolution and everything. Like, I bet it's your last name. I mean, hey, it still does. Doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, it's like change your name. Sorry, guy. <laughs> just change your name or name it something else. Yeah, you don't yeah. have to name it after your yourself. Name, yeah. Yeah, name it e- after your first name. Yeah, ego Gary maniac. Guitars, G- yeah. Gary's guitars. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I went to that once. It was in Florida. Yeah, I had an alligator out front. It was great. Gary's guitars. Gary's guitars. <laughs> uh, he will not be at Nam this year. <laughs> Gary's guitar. Hey man, some of those store owner characters that show up at Nam are rich. I always love the really weird guitars that are just like they built it out of wood and it looks awesome, but it, you know doesn't usually sound that great. They always have all those there. There's all sorts of weird stuff at Nam. If you think there's weird stuff at this one, you just need to make it out to LA. I'm waiting for the invite. <laughs> I, you can go to LA whenever you want. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for that invite. You can go to LA whenever you <laughs> want. <laughs> I I don't control Nam passes, man. I uh I just get them. Steven Dunn, he's he's getting it done. Um, okay. <laughs> I've had enough beer at this point. I'm just like, well, okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm running out of steam here. Yeah, this is uh, this is great radio. Yeah, this is oh, really great radio. Great. This is the first one. We're working all the kinks out. I blame you for everything. Well, our rich, my my idea was that we would record us playing Mario Kart while getting drunk, and you said that wouldn't be fun and exciting radio. But I say that would be way more exciting than what we're currently doing. It would just be a lot of like, oh, shit, fuck you. (laughs) Fucking blue shell. (laughs) Would that not be fun, though? People would know exactly what you're talking about. (laughs) And then we could use like we could videotape it. Yeah. And then use like the the narrator voice app (laughs) and type out. So Morgan Freeman can narrate and be like, Will, as Bowser is driving up on the outside. (laughs) That would be entertaining stuff. I think that could be a podcast all on its own. My Let's favorite get thing this is, started. Uh, my friend Aaron O'Dowd was over here yesterday, and my roommate Todd was talking so much shit about uh, how he's going to kick us, kick all our asses. And then uh, Aaron probably hasn't played in like ten years, and she's like, "Wait, which button does what?" And she kicked all our asses. That's the <laughs> that's the beautiful thing about uh, about Mario Kart is the items are the great equalizer yeah totally you can be all the way in the back and get that bullet and just smoke people yeah it's great the lightning bolt oh yeah yeah when you just get to run over people this is starting to become a podcast about mario kart it's (laughs) it's fine uh always go for yoshi he's a little bit lighter yeah yeah are you are you a car guy are you a bicycle guy are we talking we're talking like we mario kart right 64 64 yeah yeah okay OG going, going classic. <laughs> Your wife just pointed at me. She gave me the, the Hey, I've yeah, got 64. I just assumed we were talking. We, I thought, uh, I thought you were going new age. No, no, we're going old school. I think Megan wants to play. We might have to end this podcast so she can play with us. Oh, we just got the eyebrows. Yeah, I think yeah, game on ready. for Mario Kart. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Is this at least we have an audience. So we know what's good. The crap in your pants was good. <laughs> and now there's one moment of the podcast worth Mario listening Kart. to. <laughs> solid those are the strong points that's 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 the (laughs) that's how you know you have a good podcast guys if there's one moment where you have somebody in the room that enjoys it and wakes them up you're solid dead asleep you're solid to play mario kart 
it kind of this th- that segues in well because you know th- th- I'm calling these uh, side podcasts off the rails. There are no rails in Mario Kart. Yeah, and if you fall off, it really sucks. The little cloud has to pick you up. Rainbow Road's the worst. Rainbow Road is the worst. Thanks so much for listening to the first episode of Off the Rail from Americana Station. Uh, make sure you go and follow me on Spotify, Apple Music, and all those things. Will Payne Harrison. And uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll have Mary Rogers on with her album, The Ghost of Mary Rogers. So stick around for that. Um, rate and review this podcast, and we'll see you soon. Trap.